Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Georgia. Welcome to The Deep Dive. I guess, Andy, if we were power rating podcasts on our previous 16. series. <laughs> I, I joked there. with this. I joked you with got, this about Dan. You got there without me even asking. Yeah, I, I joked a little. And Dan's like, Dan was like asking me, he's like, oh, you're not excited about it. I'm like, I'm always excited about podcasts. I'm not excited for possible outcomes for these teams this year or maybe next, although I did come around a little on Atlanta and I'll, I'll give you some of my silver lining, which again, a lot of it isn't for 2022, but there is some silver lining in the, is there a name for the city of Atlanta? Uh, well, I mean, no, you know, they hosted the 1996 Olympics, kind of a big Outcast deal. USA. Uh, you're talking about like uh, Stankonia, Stankonia, or, uh, or just like uh, eight, I got, just I got APL. A, I got a coalition of the willing. They have a they have a Hotlanta is for sure up there, but they have a uh, like they have a whole you know television creative television series named after the city of Atlanta. They are the most recent World Series champions. Andy, Atlanta's got some juice. They do. They do have some juice. No, it's uh, it's funny too. If you Google, and a lot of it is just like, hey, I should double check. Looking back at that, and if you Google like 2011, 2021, the dirty Minnesota, it'll auto complete the Vikings. You type in 2021, you know, Kansas City, it'll complete the Chiefs because NFL is king, even if there is other franchises. Atlanta yeah. auto completes to the Braves because the 2021 Braves are a little more exciting than the seven win yeah. Falcons. And I mean, jumping right into it. Well, the, Haw- the Hawks also, they went to the NBA Eastern Conference Finals. That's true. It's ago. true. But the uh, Hawks got a little juice too. Yeah, the 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 biggest parts of the, the seven win Falcons, and I'm just, I'm not going to touch on a lot. We'll, we'll get into it as we touch in 2022. But mm-hmm. from Cleve's preview, his first sentence, the 2021 Falcons ended up posting the fourth worst point differential in the NFL, despite winning seven games. Yeah. And then football outsiders. We called them the worst seven-win team in NFL history. And that's based, it wasn't just subjective, that's based on their DVOA of every team that's ever won seven games. And it was a weird, like you said, with the point differential. They won against bad teams, and they won in close games against bad teams. And then when they'd go up against good teams, they would get roundly shithoused, trucked. I think there was a two-game stretch with a 68 to three. One of those games was at home. I think it was Dallas and the Patriots. Like that's, it was, it was a clear, like they were, they were at least Mertens. Like if you were a bad team, you could not beat the Falcons. And if you were a good team, you better beat the shit out of the Atlanta Falcons. And it yeah. was uh, the last hurrah for Matt Ryan down there. They were the, they were the, uh, the team emblematic Mendoza line. But yeah, it was it was tough. Just you know, you end up losing. Maybe you know Matt Ryan is the face of your franchise for the last fifteen years, but Julio Jones is not far behind. You you end up getting rid of him. You bring in a high pick, a high pick at tight end that you need to try to incorporate into this offense that had a bad offensive line and was missing some maybe other pieces and you're, you're shoehorning a running back or a wide receiver into running back and honestly kind of making a go of it. And really the, the schedule was a little lopsided like that. You played some bad teams and you played some great teams and honestly, like whatever, I guess you still ended up with the top 10 pick. And I think the biggest thing, and again, I mentioned the football outsiders preview, they went over this extensively. The biggest thing was, they didn't sign Deshaun Watson. And the way they phrased it too is like it puts them in a spot where they can they can rebuild. Because like extending whatever is happening right now by getting a good quarterback rather than a stopgap was probably a bad choice. So that's where I am a little rosy on the long-term projections for the Falcons. But short-term is it was rough. There was a lot of holes to fill in this offseason. I don't know which uh, your takeaways from 21. Well, when you look at the win-loss and you see seven wins, your first question should be how. Uh, 
how how in the world did this happen? Um, I think you laid it out well. It was a very easy schedule, and they took advantage of the bad teams that they faced. Um, yeah, not a good win really to be had on here. Uh, congratulations for beating the Giants, the Jets, the Jaguars, the Panthers, the Lions. That is five of your wins right there. Outside of that, I guess the Dolphins were kind of in the mix for a playoff spot. You beat them thirty-eight to thirty to twenty-eight. Uh, I don't even remember if Tua was in that game. He probably was coming back from an injury. I don't remember. Uh, you beat the Saints 27-25. So you got two very narrow wins against uh, kind of mid-lane competition. But again, neither of those teams made the playoffs. So you did not beat a single team that made made it to the dance. Uh, and like you said, with teams they faced that did make it, beat them with... Um, What's the right? I was thinking beat them with uh, extreme prejudice. Extreme prejudice. <laughs> extreme prejudice. Yeah. Um, so I think the fair conclusion coming out of last year's performance is this is a bad team. And I think you actually have to go back in time a little bit and really kind of reflect on what happened in their Super Bowl loss to the Patriots and how that kind of turned the entire franchise into spoiled milk because last year was sort of the end result of that. Um, they never realistically had a plan for succession in the offensive coordinator role after, um, you know, after Kyle Shanahan moved to greener pastures, got a head coaching gig uh, that f never filling that role was a huge problem, certainly. Uh, and uh, you know, you can, kind of point to that core never reaching their promise in terms of winning a Super Bowl, I think. Uh, because, you know, Matt Ryan, I think he is the highest compensated quarterback of all time who does not have a Super Bowl victory off the top of my head. I believe yeah, and he, his, Stafford his... and Matt Ryan were kind of in the same mix, and now Stafford's got his. So Matt part Ryan... Of, part of that... Uh... Yeah the rebuild for 2022 being so difficult to try to fill all those holes is the dead cap space. And I mean, yeah. again, it's not, it's not like, Oh, they shouldn't have traded them. Like, yeah, they should have like, it, it was time to move on. It's fine. But like this year it's 40 million for dead cap. I think right around there. Yeah. It's they're taking it's, their it's medicine. Not, I think it's the most ever. And, and that's the thing about a rebuild. Like you don't just say, all right, we're rebuilding now. All right, go pick up a bunch of young players and you're, it'll be fun. Like sometimes there's a really, <laughs> really, really painful year where I mean, the, I, uh, God, now I'm, I'm wondering if I'm mixing them up with Carolina, who I looked into a little bit of cap room uh, stuff too. But I, I think they ended up, you know, it was them. They ended up extending a couple players. And often, you know, you say an extension is a reward for playing well. That's, that can be part true, but sometimes an extension is used to clear up cap space. They ended up extending a couple of players just so they could fit in their rookie contracts after the draft. Like the, the cap was very, very tight for this team. Yeah. And that that's tough when you have so many holes. So yeah, it's going to probably be uh, a rough year in Atlanta. And that's, yeah. again, it's, it's fine. You know, before moving on to this year, I will say two other things about 2021. Number one, I was bullish on this team coming into the season. I thought they had a high ceiling. And that was because I thought Matt Ryan still had some juice in the tank. And because I expected Calvin Ridley to do a very serviceable job of taking over as wide receiver one. Uh, and we had cautious optimism that Art Smith was going to bring the good things from Tennessee. And, you know, potentially, you know, maybe he had some visionary aspect to his idea of how to run an offense that was going to click with the pieces in place and lead to some magic. Um, I think I hit eject on that take about halfway through week one against the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> it was, it lasted, it, there was some clear plays in the first game out of the gate where it was like, oh my God, this offensive line is horrific. Um, Matt Ryan does not have the skill set in his toolbox at this point in his career arc to be able to kind of become a mobile quarterback on the fly. And if they can't protect him in the pocket and if his guys aren't getting open and if the running backs are running into stacked boxes and Art Smith is insisting on blowing early down runs on those minus EV plays, then this team is going to struggle. Uh, and struggle they did, again, how they got to seven wins is the big mystery. Um, 
What was your favorite Falcons moment from last year? Not, I don't have many at all. Uh, I, I have one for sure. Favorite moment? Uh, the loss to the Washington football team was probably the highlight because they had absolutely no business losing that game. Um, they, the, I believe there was some shenanigans in the two minute drill where the refs were reviewing plays and stopping clocks and crazy stuff happened to give the Washington the time they needed to put together that game winning drive. But losing that game 34 30 was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, what was your highlight? The, the running play that they ended up the, the touchdown um, that they ended up reviewing and overturning because he like gave himself up but they ended up having oh. to remember, but they still had to give him the taunting penalty and it's Matt, oh, right? Yeah. Like yeah. that one, that one was fun. So I'm trying oh, to, man. I don't even remember who that was. Uh, I, I, I'm not even a hundred percent sure who they, I think it was the bills game. Like he was a bit, it was against a good team. So yeah, like it was, Oh yeah. Sam's talking about it. The, the, the bills game. So. <laughs> the yeah. dances, the Falcons won in New Orleans. Season was worth it. Yeah, that I looked at that. That was the one part of the season the that was puzzling to me was the the New Orleans game and Jameis. Jameis didn't have a very good game, and I guess that was probably their signature win. So it was nice to always nice to beat a division rival, especially on the road. But yeah, they they're working on a rebuild here, and they started. They still even with seven wins. They started. They had a top ten pick. They had some room to grow in a few spots, and uh, the roster turnover is. I don't know. How do you feel? Like a lot of it feels like, well, this is all we could do. Like, hey, a guy left, and we have to fill in, and we. Yeah, no, 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 no. The like, entire so like off the... season, you nailed it off a, a little while ago. The entire off season was, let's get Deshaun Watson and solve the quarterback position for the future. And if that fails, then we are burning this to the ground. And it failed. And they didn't get him. And they are now are taking all of their medicine that they can this year. Um, and I think that's, again, in the same sort of spirit as the Tennessee Titans and the way they dealt with their offseason. Um, we're going to talk about two teams today who are in similar low likelihood of winning anything this year. And the way that the Falcons are doing it at least has greater, you know, kind of intermediate success potential than the way that the Panthers are. And I think realistically, this Falcons team is, uh, you know, it's, it's not going to be easy to replace Matt Ryan. Surely it's going to take time and they don't have the answer on, on the um, roster this year, but that's not the point. Next year's quarterback class freaking rocks. And they have set themselves up well to take their medicine, to lose a bunch of games, and to get one of the top two quarterbacks coming out in next year's draft, one of whom presumably, you know, if you, you know, they may have first choice of, frankly. Uh, and even if they don't, there's not a lot of other teams kind of in the mix uh, for most losses that really look likely to address the quarterback position. So uh, I think Atlanta plays out their season correctly, they learn a little bit about whether they want to stick with Art Smith for the foreseeable future, and they set themselves up well to get a quarterback uh, for 2023 and beyond. And, you know, if that's where you are as a franchise and you're clear-eyed that this year is not going to be a year where you're trying to win games and you're just going to take your medicine and kind of clear the books, more more power to you. Yeah, although I will say I do worry that in classic Atlanta fashion, like – there are a few teams because I, I I don't know who Drew, give me your five teams and let's just let's count Atlanta as one. So give me four other teams who you think have the highest likelihood of ending up with the top pick. In order? Just no any any order. Just give me f- four. Uh Texans, Bears, uh Falcons, and Seahawks. That in that order, in my opinion. I said, I said besides the Falcons. Oh, I'm sorry. The, to get you to five. Give me, Texans, give me one more. Texans, Bears, Seahawks, and uh, the Washington Commanders. <laughs> yeah. 
So and, that, and that's where I do, and you know, probably the Giants, really, but Washington, the, Giant, the Giants, Washington. and the Jets have so, Giants and Jets have something to say about that. But a, a couple of those teams, like Houston, you know, if they end yeah, up that Jets, bad, I should have included the Jets. That was my bad. Like, and, and that's the thing: if Houston ends up that bad, and that means Mills didn't work out, and they might be looking. Seattle certainly would consider taking a quarterback. The Jets, at that point, if it's gone that bad, maybe they consider. Hey, we're doing the thing where we move on right away because it just didn't work out so like there are some teams that i worry but it is a it is a rich class there'll be a couple of good quarterbacks and yeah again it's so hard to say this right now we're sitting here in august trying to predict like who's going to be after who in the in the first part of the draft next april teams like the bears and the jets are going to have to make decisions about sticking with their current quarterback after a poor season for a third year or taking a more likely upside quarterback in the next draft. And those are going to be tough decisions. The Falcons, in my opinion, are not going to have to make that decision. I think it is going to be painfully obvious after this season plays out that the quarterback position is number one in each draft. And guess what? If you spent your high draft capital the last two seasons getting an all future all-pro tight end and a you know potential wide receiver one on your team, that is a great vision for... Hey, there's a quarterback rich draft coming back, coming up. Let's position ourselves to strike in that draft. And I think even if they do accidentally win too many games this season and they and or other teams are ahead of them that prioritize quarterback, um, you know, they may have enough draft capital to trade up. And, you know, we know that the guy who's pulling the strings from the GM standpoint used to be a Saint. And the Saints have had absolutely no, uh, you know, uh, uh, they, have, they have acted with, enthusiasm in the trade market to move up and get their guy uh so i think falcons are are probably destination number a1 to uh to take a quarterback next year in the draft and you can you you want young you want stroud you want some other party you get to figure that out watch a lot of college if you're a falcons fan watch a lot of college football this watch some college football watch some college football seriously so we'll we'll move into that rookie class too because the the one situation where they're not looking for a quarterback is hey guess what desmond ritter came in and it worked out like hey this team was the uh and i really no chance he reaches the level of what we saw in san diego slash la but like hey guess what this team wasn't good i'll adjust in herbert but managed expectations not 4500 yards desmond ritter but like desmond ritter was very good and this team was still bad because you know it was it was just so full of holes but we You're saw describing the davis it. mills experience well that, that's what i'm saying like the likelihood of that is probably sub five percent so yeah i'm, I'm not right. thinking that's that's really going to be something we're going to expect although i do think we'll see some uh We'll see some Davis Mills, or excuse me, Davis Mills. We'll see some Desmond Ritter, which is, which is fine. Like when you're in a stopgap year, you might as well. You spent a draft pick on him. Might as well see if you have something, or at worst case, like hey, this guy is probably somebody we want to hang on to as a really, really feasible backup or a stopgap as we bring in another rookie. But yeah, Drake London, huge dude, um, top ten pick. I think he was hampered by some injuries coming into the draft. He didn't do much combine stuff, but there's enough film to see like, yeah. And especially if that works out and it's what's Ridley's contract status. Like, is it, uh, I mean, it's still early enough in his career where like, Hey, guess what? If Pitts takes a step forward and London works out, you have three. Cause let's just call a spade a spade. And he's not a tight end. Like he is absolutely a, you know he's a wide receiver when it comes down to it you have three pretty good wide receivers it's not a bad situation for a rookie quarterback to come into especially if you have some other draft capital and you could spend that on oh i don't know maybe an offensive lineman somewhere down the board and take some punts on offensive linemen in the third round yeah. maybe find some in free agency you could be you could be you know stroud or whoever it could be coming into a good situation. Yes. And Cordero Patterson, hopefully they find some way to not give him 150 carries so he can survive longer in this league and play a little wide out as well. So going forward. And again, the, the London thing, we haven't seen anything from him yet. He isn't done shit as a pro. It has to work out. And Desmond Ritter, I'm, you know, I guess he played a lot in college. That's something. 
I worry. I don't I worry about some of these guys who just didn't play. Like, you know, like Trubisky had that fun year in 18, but it's like that was the biggest thing. So, shit, this guy has like 10 starts. Like, what are we, what are we really doing? Is that how you're evaluating quarterbacks? At least Ritter played a bunch. You have a bunch of a bunch of tape. It, it was a thing. So, uh, and then uh, so, some of the other draft picks too. They filled in defensive lineman in the second round, linebacker in the second round, got another linebacker in the third. I mean, it just was one of those things where I think they were kind of set up and we talk about this in our draft episode some teams they have to make specific moves like it's weird to evaluate the team that won the super bowl's first round draft pick because they're in such a weird roster spot it's like can we really chew their ass about this but like when you're a team like this it's fine just take the best player you think is available all the way down the board because more than likely it's a spot where you need help and I don't know. I'm reading some camp reports. There's a bunch of guys that are in the mix for some playing time again for the same reasons. Um, I'm willing to completely suspend any type of judgment for this current regime and their drafting acumen based on the success that they had that, uh, you know, at least that, that uh, Terry had uh, when he was in New Orleans as the talent evaluator, particularly notable that the saints drafted some incredible incredible defensive talent in his years there and so you know i don't know these guys from adam but if arnold ebiketti and troy anderson turn out to be household names in a defense that looks a lot better this season we shouldn't be surprised based on the the track record um it's i mean it's notable that the top and again like they're doing stuff the right way they're using their top end draft capital to get to take swings on guys who could potentially be game changers from the skill position standpoint. And now all they need is a plug and play quarterback. And I don't see Ritter as that guy. Um, again, I think at, at best you're expecting a Davis Mills esque season from him. And if he does well enough in a limited enough sample that the Falcons tie their, you know, tie their uh, hopes to him, hopes and dreams moving forward, then that's going to be tough for me to kind of get over, frankly, because I think they are a better destination for a premier quarterback at the top of the draft next year. Um, but, you know, they have some bright spots on this roster. There's no denying that they have more bona fide blue chip players in the in the building than some of the other teams we've talked about, including the Texans. Uh, and you know, the other teams in the discussion, including the Bears, like there are more blue chips on this roster uh, than the Bears have on offense and the Texans have on defense. I could tell you that much. And it's funny you brought up the Bears too. And I mean, a really big point of contention. And this is, it feels like we've done this like five or six teams where it's like, hey, this team has some good points and some solid players and some positional groups are good, but the secondary might suck so much shit that it won't matter because you can't hold leads that way. And you can't get out to leads if you can't stop anybody in the passing game, which you know, the league has turned so heavily to. And this is, that's their, I mean, granted, eventually wide receivers should be a big strength of this team, but like that's their strength, right? It is this defensive secondary and they've got a couple of players. I don't know. It's, it's funny. How many, how many teams can you name where it's like, man, I like, not just like I really like both of the starting corners for this team, and yes. usually, usually those teams are good teams. It is really weird. It's like, man, I really like this defensive secondary on a team that I well, might have winning three games. I think you can you you we've seen enough tape now. AJ Terrell is the guy. He yeah, is, his ceiling he, he is, is CB one. Ceiling is he the is best CB1. quarterback in the league. Yeah. He is a bona fide CB1. He got there quickly in his career arc, which means you have him under cost control. You can kind of extend him with a fair deal, keep him in-house. Like that is a guy you build around 100%. Casey Hayward is on the wash side of things, but still at least a hell of a lot better than the guy you had starting opposite Terrell last year. Uh, Safety is a little bit of a question mark, but pretty clearly the secondary is the strength of this defense. Uh, Grady Jarrett is a nice defensive tackle. You have virtually nothing going for you to start the season in the from a pass rushing standpoint, but there's no nothing to say you can't generate some uh, you know effective snaps out of some of these young guys. Ultimately, 
Uh, it's just going to take a little bit of creativity and I don't a hundred percent have a read on whether Dean Pease still has a fastball as far as the defensive coordinator goes, but presumably you could get something good going, uh, you know, from this, uh, this unit, but, uh, the offense is, is, is a problem, frankly. And, you know, that's, I think ultimately what holds this team back from getting wins. And again, if you're the Falcons, I don't think you want to win. I think you want to set yourself up to draft a quarterback. Like that should be, you know, this should be the, the Steven Ross tank. You know, like you know, you want you want to be that angel tweet. I don't want to pay. Art Smith for sucking, but he should. Mariota ran for a ninety-three yard touchdown, and you know, AJ Terrell had two pick sixes as the Falcons lose forty-six twenty-one. Like, you want some fun highlights from a team that loses to these these teams? They should lose to get your quarterback. Yeah, and I mean, you know. Again, like I like what they're building. I like, I like that they had two second round draft picks last year. That was kind of the the ideal. They had two seconds and two thirds. Like that's great. Like you sh- getting four swings in that window of the draft in the draft like last year's draft that wasn't top heavy. That's awesome. And if they hit on any of those guys, this defense is bouncing back quickly. Um, I didn't think anyone that walked out the door is really like a big deal in terms of oh you lost some serious blank like matt ryan of course is maybe the exception like that's a huge downgrade at the quarterback well, i mean matt, matt, yeah I matt ryan and fowler just based on how much you're paying them yeah you stick here you keep matt ryan in the build. yeah that's fair that is very fair but if you keep matt ryan in the building you're risking winning too many games to get your quarterback really Mariota doesn't present that same problem uh neither does desmond ritter um so it's uh yeah i think it's it's going to be a, a long season in atlanta but i think ultimately they have short cut the rebuild to the best degree possible and they at least have a guy making the draft choices who's really good at evaluating talent um which i think has me as like a soft buy on this franchise in the long term um the big question more so than any of the t- vision from a franchise standpoint or any of the talent that they've acquired and the way they're going about it. The bigger question is what's going on with Art Smith and is he actually capable of learning on the job and improving on what was a really, really poor campaign from him, I thought in 2021. And not only that, but to go from a pure pocket passer to hey guess what your two top quarterbacks as dan is pointing out like they really dan says in the chat they really should go college-ish on offense heavy rpo running plays moving the pocket like switching it up like if you have a bad offensive line, that's how you accidentally win that's that's how you well and that, to be fair yes teams will try to win though despite our our best efforts to make sure all the bad teams tank but like if that's where i'm i'm worried about them and again, it could be a good thing, like we're saying, but I'm worried that, hey, guess what? We have to kind of run our offense completely different based on the type of quarterbacks we have on the roster this year compared to Matty Ice and then that going poorly as well, which again, could be a good thing. Although the Fontenot stuff, Fontenot, Fontenot, but did I say the Terry last Terry Fontenot. Fontenot. I usually franchise names extra and i didn't do it today so terry fontenot like you said some of the success we've seen in italian eval- talent evaluation especially that one draft uh, do you think that's what they call it new orleans that one draft i bet they do well because like that was that was that was, yeah, that was an all-time I mean, a couple yeah. 2017 but that was 2017 draft for new orleans was an all-time all-time at least in our in our time covering the league that was the best any team has ever done in a draft and it hasn't been close but New Orleans also has been just in general over the last, they've been on like a five-year heater, really. Uh, that was the peak, but they're good at scouting talent and they have good positional coaches, presumably good coordinators, presumably that are coaching those guys up or at least like there's synergy between who they're choosing and how they're using them so that they get the most out of a lot of these guys, uh, which I think is a pretty important part of the process. And Fontenot is as good as a, uh, you're going to get in terms of trying to replicate that in Atlanta against, you know, somebody in division who's doing it. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, if you were to tell me that, uh, close your eyes, I'm going to coming from the future in f- next five years, Atlanta wins more playoff games than the saints. I'm nodding. I'm like, yeah, 
Yeah. The Ricky Williams draft. Yeah, we can't go all the way back to the Ricky. The Ricky Williams draft was an all-timer in the exact opposite way. But yeah, it's, it's again, I'm, I'm looking. The internet would some, break if that happened, if that kind of a trade happened. Today. That, that's high on the list of like things you wish Twitter was around for because my fucking Lord. But yeah, the uh, uh, the second round pick, the linebacker slash D, I mean, he's an edge. They call him a DN in a lot of places, but he's probably going to get some starting time at outside linebacker. Yeah. And then you're going to see some, probably some rotational stuff from the other guys. But I'm reading, again, everything I'm reading from camp stuff is they're pretty excited about both the safeties as well. So it could be a nice step forward for this secondary group as a whole. And like Patrick pointed out and you pointed out the offense might stink. So good secondary plus bad offense equals 13 to 12 saints, saints win, you know, just some nice under games for this team. Well, I guess a couple, I guess here's if I'm, buying the Falcons long-term stock here. This is what I need to know, right? If I'm Fontenot and I have installed Art Smith and I have self-evaluating and looking at what he did and looking at how the team performed and making critical evaluations, like I need to see him grow as a play caller, play sequencer in year two in some way without accidentally winning too many games <laughs> which is a it's a it's a very that's a that's a uh a tough to needle to thread yep. <laughs> you know look better do better but don't win um and then i also want to see how he does at developing ritter really like that's important if Arthur Smith can show you that he can take a raw talent out of college at quarterback position and develop him in any way I think that is your signal that, okay, we're keeping them around. Keep them. We draft the QB next year, and away we go. Right? I think, yeah, I think that's a, what matters. Ritter, Ritter, Ritter is your practice girlfriend. He's your practice girlfriend. Oh, tell, my To tell if, if, Arthur, if Arthur Smith's ready to go to the prom with the homecoming queen. My but, uh, fucking uh, and so I, And I, I want to throw, before we get into schedule and odds and all the stuff on this team, uh, again, it's funny how I'm playing devil's advocate with positives. Like, <laughs> because we're so, we're so bought in on God. I hope this team loses a lot of games because it's great for the rebuild. But are you worried that a good wide receiver room will have this offense playing better despite a pretty bad offensive line that really didn't get help? Uh, bringing in new quarterbacks that you have a rookie and a retread, but. You have a pretty high end, you have a pretty high end prospect. You have Kyle Pitts, who at times was amazing. Brian Edwards from the Raiders was one of those. Uh, he was one of those guys where it's like this guy has it, but they have a lot of receivers. Like he was just kind of maybe buried a little bit on that depth chart at times. Auden Tate has had some moments, and then you have a bunch of tight ends. And it is this weird offense where they're going to run a lot of two tight end sets. I feel like they may have even signed another tight end today. Oh, I really? think uh, Mike McCole Pruitt ended up on, on somebody. I, I feel like he went to Atlanta, but he they got Ferkser. Yeah. yeah. Which you you could put Ferkser and McCole Pruitt and McCole Pruitt's a good blocker. And then you could have Pitts out wide instead of wasting him at the end of the line sometimes. So, bright spot for the offense possibly that plus again Cordell Patterson we'll see what else they do with the you know on the on the running backs you have Damian Williams there and Dante Foreman I feel like was the is that where he ended up no I mean there's a no no they got Cordell Patterson Tyler Algier 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 so it's Algier and Williams um, down to Foreman ended up in the other team we're talking to. They said, like, enough skill position players, but it's one of those where it's like, hey, this is working, or oh, shit, this is all for naught because they don't have a viable quarterback or an offensive line or a game plan from their, you know, the mind that's running the offense. I think yeah. it's probably the latter. I think, again, Oh shit! This is really tough to dissect. Like this, like year you said, the sequencing, term. the sequencing, and and the overall game planning just didn't seem. It wasn't good. Yeah, I'm <laughs> trying to think of a. There's not a superlative. I'm wanting. Uh, not good is fine. You know what? Hey, you you want me to give him a little attaboy? 
he did better than Dave Cully. I don't remember any times Art Smith or uh, I don't remember him declining a penalty on third down and then punting. Um, you know, so he's got that going for him. Uh, but realistically, this is not a good enough quarterback room and not a good enough offensive. Like, what if you have a great offensive line and you put a retread quarterback behind him? Maybe it works. If you have a good quarterback and you put it behind a makeshift offensive line, maybe it works. But putting those two ingredients together, I think, is going to keep this unit grounded in terms of expectation. Uh, and I think fundamentally, um, that's that's the saving grace for not accidentally winning another seven games. And taking we are going to see the a Bryce Young sweepstakes. We're going to see a bunch of these because they've said, hey, guess what? We're playing starters in the preseason because – we don't have there's no Aaron Rodgers on this roster that we need to uh that we need to protect. Like yeah, guess what? The, Everybody's in. Yeah. I'm had, guessing Pitts Pitts isn't gonna be playing deep into the third quarter in every game, but everybody's playing, I guess, which if you bet preseason, that's a fun I mean it's a nugget that the market's already reacted to. Here's here's one thing for you. There is a little continuity. I mean, like you're setting up future continuity with your offensive line. The way that they've handled last year versus this year, right? Like you're, sure. like there was a couple of there are a couple of positional changes, a couple of new bodies, but you've got big boys in place now. You have a left tackle who's serviceable in Jake Matthews. That I think this unit plays a full season together, stays relatively healthy. They maybe are the twenty fourth ranked offensive line or something like that. And then a, you know, another year together, maybe they're like top top half. Maybe you add one more piece, uh, you know, second round pick after you get your quarterback in round one, right? Like there's there's a there is enough talent and uh, enough that uh, you know kind of growth potential with this group that next year maybe they're okay. But this year, combined with Mariota, forget about it. This year, combined with Ritter, forget about it. Like there's just and sometimes too many like, plays that are just mind, big time negatives for them. You will you will see from like a bad offensive line is like, hey, guess what? This was a bad offensive line, but now we're gonna go get our stud left tackle. And the guy who played left tackle, like he sucked shit, but his footwork wasn't horrible. His arms were a little short, but you know what? He would not be a bad left guard. And we saw him play 17 games and we kind of know what we have. And he has some continuity with the offense. Like sometimes you can, you can move, you know, you can, you can move some of these guys around and still get some, you know, still get something out of them. I think Carolina is doing something like that with one of their tackles. So yeah, I, I, I guess I'm there. So I think both Matthews and McGarry were, they were above replacement level last year with room to grow, which is yeah. what I think matters. Mary, McGarry, especially because he's young. Um, the interior, Wilkinson, Hennessy, Lindstrom. Uh, I didn't have positive grades on any of those guys. Lindstrom, the closest. He was okay. Um, but yeah, I think realistically, like you're going to get continuity uh, over you know, these guys playing together this season and taking their lumps. But that's the important part. Take your medicine. Yeah, well, Dan, Take your I, wasn't, I wasn't saying Jake, Jake Matthews sucked. I'm just more of a broad example of what you've seen teams do with, hey, we yeah, need sure. to get our, you know, we need to get our left tackle. But no, to be fair, it'd be right tackle in their case. I they suppose. have depth Although, too, frankly. If Eddie is the second stringer, Jalen Mayfield is the second stringer right now. Like that's decent depth at offensive line. Like, like literally... Oh man, if they fuck this up and accidentally win too much and don't get a quarterback or just talk themselves into Ritter and, and Smith never really grows into this role and this is kind of a good rebuild nucleus, you know, ready to pop and we never see it, it's going to suck. And that's what I'm most worried about with this team, frankly. Um, because, again, Felipe, yeah. Felipe, frankly. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll add uh, one, you, you know, we're on the topic of gambling at wide receiver and uh, it's worth noting that was the funniest part of the Atlanta Falcons 2022 so far was learning that, um, that uh, Ridley no was donking. Policy. He was donking, you know, playing donkey parlays uh, and he's suspended for the balance of the 2022, 23 campaign. They have deferred his fifth year which they exercised that 
is next year. So he's basically on the club fifth year option next year for 11 million. He is off the books this year, which is interesting. Um, so if he happens to be an asset next year, because you know, Calvin Ridley, if he's good for 11 million, is somebody's going to want that. Maybe the Falcons want that next year, yeah. right? Like if you develop London, if Kyle Pitts is as good as we think he can be, uh, and you you know you bring in a new quarterback next year, then I think this Falcons team is uh, it has short circuited the rebuild. And Patrick but, brings up a good point as we switch over to the schedule. They do play a tough schedule of opposing defenses, and if you're using last year's metrics, and we'll talk about this a couple times, like where do you think Baltimore's defense ranked last year compared to what they actually should play as? Like some of these teams will be better than, you know, what we're giving them credit for. If you want to just say, this is the level of opposing defenses that we're going to, you know, we're going to be playing against. So they're going to play a bunch of, Hey, guess what? Like right off the bat, there's the Rams, there's Cleveland, there's Tampa, San Francisco. I'm just thinking of these pass rushes against that beleaguered offensive line. Maybe that's, you know, I tried to give it a little positive spin saying these, the, the skill position players outside of the quarterback and old line might, buoy things up but boy this pass these pass rushes they're going to face in and game in and game out the chargers you know the even washington that's that's like a highlight of their team baltimore tampa bay again so it's going to be a tough it's going to be a tough year for whatever combination of quarterbacks they throw out there and don't see any what color is your favorite blue i don't see any favorite no a couple of couple of pickums at carolina let's go uh, versus Carolina or pick them at Carolina or plus three on TNF. Oh God, what a! Why did they give us that shit sandwich on Thursday week ten? Yeah, what and people are asking about Jameis. You know, are are you grabbing the five with the Jameis news? I've seen numerous reports that the Jameis thing is not really a. It's kind of a a nothing burger. He just he just rolled his ankle and sat out part of practice. That so he should be fine. So injury prone. Probably want no part of that game. He is a little injury prone, although he can see better now. So, yeah, there are a few double-digit dog spots. They, they are outside of a Super touchdown. One, two, three, four, five. They are outside of a touchdown five times. That's not good. Um, the game week two at the Rams that is plus 13, Andy. Biggest spread on the look-aheads all season. <laughs> That's it right there. Uh, nobody with a lower win probability on their schedule than the Falcons at the Rams week two. A little um, rest disadvantage plus a trip all the way across the country to play the Super Bowl champs. We yeah. happen to have a good pass rush. Like, yeah. And oh, by the way, you finally get a little breathing room going up against a team that's not expected to do so great in Seattle. Well, you got to do it on a week where you're traveling back across the coast after playing in the in LA. Um, do you yeah, I think wonder, that, I wonder uh, if they stay? I wonder if they, they, they ought to the sure Coast, shit should. That'll unless be interesting. They, unless they, unless the goal isn't to win. Yeah. If unless oh, you don't want to add to punish the players like that, like, Hey, guess what? We're flying across the country four times, but they got to learn to uh, fight through adversity. Yeah. A ragtag group of so Yeah. I don't see a lot of wins here. If they do get any wins again, it depends how bad the Carolina situation is. We'll get to that yet today. The Chicago, the Chicago game feels like the most likely win. A good secondary versus what we've heard from like if your main strength is secondary and you're playing the Bears, who's, who's yeah. yeah, whose wide receivers are some random dudes basically right now. Nikhil Harry might be playing by then again. It's not that massive of an injury, but I don't rate Nikhil Harry as some game changer for that offense either. So Chicago Bear, I'm calling it right now. The Falcons, worst, their floor is 1-16. and 16. They're beating the Bears that day. Okay, Ceiling's um, probably five wins, though. First seven weeks of the season, seven else. Unless Jacoby Brissett has an absolute shit, you know, poops his pants when you play Cleveland, right? Uh, maybe you beat Drew Locke in Seattle, but boy, did they, they gave Seattle that game. I was going to say, that's the most likely, him. I think. Yeah, but well, it's, it's still, a, it's a bad travel spot. Though. If we, okay, look, look, look. If we learn after week two that Atlanta stayed on the West Coast and spent a full extra, like a, like a mini camp on the West Coast preparing for that Seattle game, then it is 
man the hatches, bombs away, Falcons money line. Don't think twice. Don't overthink it. Kind of a moment. If they travel to and from across the country, then I want absolutely nothing to do with betting that game any way, shape, or form. I want to find out they just did like a week in wine country. We didn't even practice. That'd be nice. Like, hey, we're just, we're not traveling back, but we also don't want to beat Seattle. Wine country, beautiful that time here. Beautiful that time here. Right right around the crush. Everybody, all the the wineries, all the wineries are having their parties. Uh, It is, that's the time to be there. Honestly, um, I think the Falcons should hire me as their travel secretary. But oh, no, yeah, rough, you. rough stretch. If if they do win, it would be because they really do take that Seattle game seriously. I don't see them beating Cleveland. Those percent sucks absolute shit. But otherwise, that's yeah. the Carolinas. Wait, game, oh. both Carolina games, Pittsburgh and Chicago. No, no, no. let's zero in on let's zero in on week eight to week thirteen because that's where it gets interesting. Yeah, you play Carolina twice. You got Chicago, Washington, and Pittsburgh in there. You want to know, Andy, there are four teams in the NFL that I am, like, real out on. It includes Carolina, Chicago, Washington, and Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. (laughs) And you get to play them all in that stretch. So, like, frankly, like, if you're going to get some wins, that's when it's going to happen. If you're going to want to build the confidence of your young crew, like, do it there. And then I think after your bye week, you just shut it down. New Orleans, Baltimore, Arizona, Tampa Bay, like – yeah, if you want to compete in those games, cover some spreads, that may be a good bet. But I think, frankly, like there will be opportunities to buy low on the Falcons if the market can, you know, is just like can't get over the fact that they start zero and seven, which is yeah. the expectation. And you won't. Uh, I mean, so you have the Seattle game, which is in Seattle, and then you will not leave the Eastern Time Zone again until December eighteenth at New Orleans. Wow. Which is like central. What's I mean, it's central yeah, time, central. but it's also like it's also like an hour, an hour and 20 minute flight from uh, a very, Atlanta very anyway. easy so, flight. Yeah, very easy. So, flight. I mean, they they don't have that is a nasty little stretch of travel at the beginning with the double West Coast. But from there on out, really centralized as far as staying east or at home. And then I mean, some of those teams are still very good. But yeah, that that middle stretch feels like that's where they get a couple of their wins and make some people sweat that uh, regular season win total a little. You don't Just think they the, get to five, though? No, God, no. It is, but it is the lowest win total in the NFC. If you, uh, are you, I don't know if you had anything else, or you want to pull up. Realistically, odds. realistically, they split with Carolina. I can't. I, I'm already annoyed that we have to do a primetime game with Atlanta at Carolina Week Ten. Atlanta's could be zero and nine. <laughs> Carolina's going to be like two and seven. Uh, that's going to suck that there's a football game and there's not even baseball on that time of year. World series is over. Uh, I, I guess his NBA will be going. So I world can, cup prep. Yeah. World cup prep. Okay. Um, no, I think realistically, like, uh, I don't think there's, you're sweating the win total on these guys. Even no, though, I, I think in, even the, in the middle of the season, Carolina, they're, sitting at, they're sitting at three yeah. and you're you like, split oh, with I'm Carolina and you win two of three against shy wash pit you win two of the three of those i think which means you finish the season three and 14 probably i think that's where we're at so maybe four oh i mean would you take an under four and a half then if you had to bet if you had to bet anything on that's my most likely outcome yeah i'm I'm not not excited about sweating extra win totals but it did open a little higher and it, it has been bet down they are projected to be the highest ranked draft pick in the nfc but yeah super bowl nfc nfc south playoffs yes and win total over none of that is bettable this team Mm -mm. this team maybe that minus 1300 no like how do they get to to nine wins i'm fine with that um you know it's uh there's not a there's not a bet to make on this team no, I don't think so, really. Uh, again, if you could buy long-term futures on them, they're probably priced incorrectly because they're going to get, they're going to be in the mix sooner than some of the other teams that are similarly going to suck this year. 
That's about the most nice thing I can say. Yeah. And somebody, Fleabit Peanut Monkey asks about the spreadsheets you guys have. Ask about it on Twitter. Have somebody get you the Discord link. There's a deep dive Discord run by the inmates that uh, producer Dan will drop those in during the show. So you can you can download those right from there. Have somebody else get you a link. I have like three DMs today asking for that. I'll uh, I'll get to those later on when I'm laying around. But betting plan of betting attack. There's going to be some unmer. There's going to be some unders I like. Yeah, is, I think so. If, too. if you get me up against a team like Chicago and that under, AJ Terrell, that guy is awesome. If you're going up against a one dimensional offense that only has one real weapon in the wide receiving room, you're going to keep that team in check. Yeah. So. Not, uh, I don't know, betting not on this like, team in the preseason. Like the, Maybe that's the only dude, way to bet it. So, dude, let's assume Deshaun Watson's not available week four. That Browns total is like seven points too high. Like, that talk about it. That is a that is a stone cold under game. Uh, if I've ever I'm seen fine, that. I like that. I, I'm surprised we didn't think of that when we got there, especially. Um, kind of, we should look for weather games in the schedule too. If there's some weather games and you have a shutdown oh. corner, so. Yeah. All right, let's great, uh let's great great over, great great call. Great call. Spin over to another team. Well, a betting plan of attack. I think uh somebody did have one question for you. Oh, what was that? Art Art Smith first coach fired from Christopher Davis. I think Dan finally convinced me that blank blank is still convinced enough that they're they're a team that needs some continuity and isn't gonna do something like that. Did Art uh, it blank? would have to go it would have to go yeah. pretty poorly. Like if, if things really go badly, <clears throat> nothing's off the table. There's a guy every year where it's like, shit, this guy is on the hot seat suddenly. And I didn't think he was. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. The number is just not big enough for me. Yeah. I didn't, I don't really have a read at all on Arthur Blank as an owner. Um, did he get rich like robbing trains in the old West or something? <laughs> like he got, he has that look. About ghoulish. Him. It's, it's the, it's the mustache. He looks like a villain. Uh, a, yeah, a Western villain. Um, what? Yeah, so I know I, I don't have a read on that at all, oh, frankly. I can't believe it. Right at the transition again. Right at the transition, us. fucking naked HDXYZ comes in. Um, all right. Well, I I don't haunted. I don't. I I am ready to fire Art Smith if that makes you if that answers the question. Like I'm ready to to Home cut, Depot, cut. Really? If if we do not see growth. Or the ability to develop Desmond Ritter into somewhat of an interesting prospect, then I think Arthur Smith needs to go, and I don't think they have the coach in place that can be the guy for the the boon. And like, but I, I you think know, it'd be an end of the year thing. You know what? Uh, like, it has a little bit of Zach Taylor whiff to it, like to keep him around just long enough until like the rebuild is working, and then Arthur Smith is entrenched. And like now, all of a sudden, like their ceiling is low. You know? Yeah, I get it. 